1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Hour number two of Extra Point here on KDUS AM 1060. Online at KDUS1060.com and with the KDUS 1060 app. It is Monday. It is November 20th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 p.m. today. As we're doing this week, Monday and Wednesday, making room for the Thanksgiving holiday. We'll move Friday's spread to Wednesday. We'll also be joined by Brian Blewis from Pro, Pro Football Network on Wednesday as well at 12.15 for our NFL prop discussion. So just uh, sliding up Friday spread to a Wednesday edition. Uh, let's reset the scene with today's poll questions and let's get things started here with the KDOS1060.com poll question in regards to the Super Bowl rematch, one of the best games, uh, well, in week 11 and maybe on the docket for the NFL so far this season. Who do you have tonight? ATS, Chiefs minus two and a half or Eagles plus two and a half. And there has been a complete shift. Chiefs minus two and a half is now out in front at 62% of the vote. Eagles plus two and a half at 38%. On Twitter, add KDUS AM 1060. The Arizona Cardinals fell to the Houston Texans 21 to 16. Should Kyler Murray receive the majority of the blame for the loss and the masses continue to be out in front on the no side of things at 69.7%. Yes, trailing at 30.3%. We will officially answer both of those poll questions today around 1230. Your phone calls if you'd like to join the program 602-260-1060. Let's dive into the world of college football, and we'll start here with that Michigan game. Michigan surviving against Maryland, 31-24. to Is it a cause for concern or a lack of trust or, or something with J.J. McCarthy? 12 of 23, 141 yards, one interception for the Wolverines on the ground. Blake Corum, 28 carries, 94 yards, and two touchdowns. He's injured. Um... He got hurt in the Penn State game. That's one of the reasons they didn't throw the ball in the second half of that game. They actually did uh, drop back a couple of times, but clearly his mobility has been hampered, and uh, they didn't even try to run him on Saturday, basically. Uh, So that's certainly something to monitor, even though we're never going to find out anything before the game. But something to watch early in the Ohio State game on Saturday is – yeah, his running and his mobility and his ability to improvise uh, when rushed by opponents uh, is a big part of his game. And speaking of that, their left tackle, Darius Henderson, didn't even make the trip. Uh, and also their backup left tackle, Miles Hinton, the guy that replaced Henderson, was injured in the second half of that Maryland game, plus his best receiver, uh, Roman Wilson, who I think you can make a case. In fact, I've already made the case is the second-best receiver in the Big Ten behind only uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. He was injured very early in the first half of this game and did not come back. In all, though, 
Michigan remains unbeaten 11-0 and sets up the contest on Saturday against Ohio State. As it is for Ohio State, they cruise past Minnesota 37-3 on Saturday. Kyle McCord, 20 of 30, 212 yards, two touchdowns. And Travion Henderson, 15 carries, 146 yards, and two touchdowns. Yeah, he's been tremendous since he came back from his latest injury. Unfortunately, he's been injured for a large chunk of his college career. Uh, but uh, since he came back three or four games ago, he has been a difference maker uh, in all those games. And, in fact, you know, on the offensive side of the ball with Henderson, also Emeka Buka has been back the last couple of games. Cade Stover's played the last couple of games. You know, those are obviously in Harrison is, you know, other than the Notre Dame game where he missed a few plays. He's been healthy the entire season, and Harrison now has a touchdown catch in seven consecutive games. Ran one in the week before when they played Michigan State. Offensively, they're good. They're healthy. This is the best they've been all year in that area. Defensively, uh, we'll see what's up with this. Um, you know, once again, we won't find out until actually the game starts on Saturday. Well, Ohio State actually releases injury reports. I assume they'll still do that on Saturday. 90 minutes before the game or so, or a couple hours sometimes, they uh, less who's not playing at least. Uh, so we'll see if Timey Eichenberg plays. He's their leading tackler, uh, one of their you know the best linebackers in college football. He's now missed two consecutive games, uh, and then their top uh, the defensive lineman Michael Hall did not play. I never heard any reason why. I assume it's because of injury. Didn't play on Saturday. And Lathan Ransom, we mentioned last week, from Tucson South Point High School, one of their starting safeties. He's out for the season uh, with an injury that he suffered against Rutgers. And Josh Proctor was also injured in that Rutgers game. He did come back, and uh, he, he was out. He had a concussion. He missed a, a game and a half because of that. So he actually did uh, come back last week. Uh, so that's setting up, like I said, for the showdown between those two schools on Saturday. Meanwhile, the number one ranked team, Georgia, completely routed Tennessee 38 to 10. The Vols did not score in the second half. Carson Beck continued his efficiency and proficiency. 24 of 30, 298 yards, three touchdowns. Brock Bowers getting a little bit more involved. Seven catches, 60 yards and one touchdown for him. Yeah, unfortunately for Georgia, we I bragged last week about how they're healthy on offense for the first time this season. They got their starting right tackle back, who's an NFL guy. They had McConkey out there. Obviously, Bowers was out there. Well, on Saturday, McConkey uh, wasn't able to play because of injury. They didn't hear exactly what the deal was. And their outstanding right guard, Tate Rutledge, was injured. And I would have not imagined that he's playing anytime soon, but sometimes we have these miracle cures and guys come back, but look like he suffered a nasty leg injury in that game against Tennessee. And Tennessee, no chance the last two weeks against Missouri and home against Georgia. So whatever, we're done with them. Uh, moving on to Florida State, they routed North Alabama 58-13, to but that's not the concerning matter here. The big story comes about their quarterback, Jordan Travis, who was carted off with an air cast on his left leg in the first quarter. He posted on social media Sunday from his hospital bed that he's doing good, feeling good, in good spirits. Then I saw a social media post this morning here, maybe in the last uh, you know hour or two, uh, essentially saying here that he thanks the Knowles Nation and his college career is over. Yeah, that was unfortunately his last home game. 
I didn't even want. I didn't even watch a replay of this. Uh, I didn't even need to watch a replay of this. Was this was one of the ugliest football injuries, uh, certainly in 2023, college and/or pro, and one of the worst that I've probably ever seen. It was. Uh, yeah, he went directly from the field to the ambulance. They didn't even bother to stop in the locker room. And uh, you know, I'm glad that he was. You know, they actually showed a thing on the ACC network on Saturday night. Uh, you know, just after, you know, a couple hours after this, within a couple hours, he was watching the second half of this game at his hospital bed. Uh, so, you know, good for him that he was able to do that. But you know, that was this was a horrible injury. They also lost their starting center, Maurice Smith, who's like a four-year starter uh, to injury, and he didn't come back. Uh, they play Florida this week, but you know, Florida has its own issues. Lost the starting quarterback, even though Graham Mertz, I don't think, is a particularly good one. Uh, but he's better than the second team guy, which unfortunately we had to see more than we wanted to when Mertz got hurt on Saturday uh, when they blew the second half lead against Missouri. Uh, back to Florida State here. They are 11-0, and everything is going right for the Knowles here. Awful to see what happened to Jordan Travis here. I'm curious, though, uh, can the college football or will the college football playoff committee factor in losing your starting quarterback and potentially slide you out of the top four? Well, we have a precedent here, uh, you know, a big-time precedent, you know, JT Barrett got hurt in 2014 uh, in the final game against Michigan. Now, when Ohio State was fortunate, uh, you know, to help to help them get in, and they actually that's the year they won the national championship in the college football playoff format that's currently structured. But you know, Cardell Jones, you know, they've put up 59 points, and he just you know was error card, you know, what the 12 gauge is what uh, Gus Johnson called him that day. Yep his number was 12 and all that uh but yeah he was so good that they still made the college football playoff now florida state still has two games to go they're going to play florida this week as i mentioned that game's in gainesville and then they're going to be in the acc championship game officially now against louisville so if uh you know wanamaker is the backup quarterback and unfortunately he's had to play a little bit in the past uh, specifically last year because travis was hurt then but if uh, they show anything, there, like I said, there is precedent here that if you can move on and show you're at least a competent offense, or you know, in the case of Cardell Jones, a really good offense, and, and they were smart enough to change their entire offense to suit the skill set of Jones, which is totally different than Barrett, who was kind of a run-first quarterback. You know, Wanamaker is just basically a drop-back passer. He is seemingly, what little I've seen of him, doesn't seem like he has any running school skills. But, you know, I've said this many times this year. You know, I think Florida State, when healthy, has the best quarterback, two wide receivers, and best running back combined of any team in college football. We'll get into the Pac-12, ASU, U of A, and some more uh, games from around college football on the other side of the break. Some of the aforementioned contests like Missouri and Louisville as well. If you would like to chime in, you certainly can do so. 602-260-1060 is the number. We'll take uh, your calls now, get to you on the other side of the break, whether it's college football related, Arizona Cardinals, NFL, 602-260-1060 is the number. More college football discussion. It's coming up next. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you in the Extra Point up until 1 o'clock today.
social information about KDUS AM 1060, try KDUS1060.com at KDUS AM 1060 on Twitter and Facebook.com slash KDUS AM 1060. Monday, November 20th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortlaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today, as we typically do Mondays and Wednesdays this week, as we are making room and time and taking time off for the Thanksgiving holiday. Let's continue, though, with college football and Washington prevailing over Oregon State. Leave it to the Pacific Northwest, though, to be just crummy weather in the month of November. Uh, 20. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. 22 to 20 victory for UW. Uh, Pouring rain, sideways rain, cold, windy. Michael Penix Jr., 13 of 28, 162 yards, two touchdowns. Dylan Johnson. Johnson, 16 carries, 89 yards on the ground. DJU for Oregon State, though, 15 of 31, 164 yards, two interceptions. The ground game, though, continues to work with Damian Martinez, 26 carries, 123 yards, and two touchdowns. Yeah, I wouldn't really blame either quarterback for the uh, you know the subpar numbers. Uh, if you didn't watch the game and just look at the stats, you went, whoa, those guys weren't good. Well, I think they actually did pretty well to do as well as they could, uh, considering the conditions. So there's that. Uh, Washington clinches a berth in the Pac-12 championship game. They will play either Oregon or the University of Arizona. Washington also 11-0 and uh, for the uh, first time since the 1991 season when uh, they had a co-national championship t- uh, game or team uh, against, uh, you know, I should say, with uh, – there were two, you know, nobody, they didn't have the playoff back in those days. There were co-national champions, Miami of Florida and Washington were the two teams. And I actually had Landon Prescott, Arizona at that point. And uh, somewhat jokingly, uh, during my uh, syndicated days back and uh, we were doing the show at Bally's with my friend Larry Ness uh, as the, uh, the host of the show. I suggested I offered my Landon Prescott, Arizona, if they'd like to play a Washington-Miami game. Uh, way before the playoffs ever ever began, so I guess I was ahead of my time there. Uh, really bad tackling again for Washington, and they, God bless them. They keep winning these games, and I'm not sure how they win them. And I'm glad I, you know, I've lost my Oregon State bet. They're out of the, uh, the Pac-12 championship at this point. Did not bet on this game, and I was stunned that Oregon State was actually favored. Uh, by game time, but uh, they were, and they then uh, then you know Washington won the game, and as the fa- as the uh, underdog, and they move on to the uh, Pac-12 championship game. I assume that there's going to be uh, if they're, uh, you know pay attention to this too much. Uh, I'm sure I will tomorrow tomorrow night when the college football playoff committee show uh, the uh, scam that's on ESPN is on. But I'm guessing that there's going to be a lot of talk about Washington moving ahead of Florida State now. I would have to think so, uh, just because if you're looking at when in which they beat the teams that they beat and when and how they were ranked at that point in time versus Florida State's resume, I think that that's the argument for moving them ahead of Florida State. Even though I'm guessing, kind of like Ohio State, you know, some of those wins that look good early in the season, like Notre Dame and Penn State for Ohio State. I think you can say that uh, some of these Pac-12 teams are not nearly as good as we thought they were going to be, including, obviously, USC being the best example. 
Well, let's talk about them. UCLA uh, dominated USC 38-20, to 20, and uh, certainly it looks like Chip Kelly doesn't want to no longer be the Bruins head coach. He was, he was uh, pulling out all the stops for that one. Well, you really didn't have to pull out all the stops. I mean, you know, Ethan Garbers was back, and he was effective with three touchdown passes, and it's amazing when you actually have the quarterback out there that you prefer uh, how that worked out. USC ended up losing. They're done. That was their last regular season game. They didn't show up for their last regular season game against their arch rival, uh, which is should be another strike against Lincoln Riley. I know my you know, former uh, you know former Sports Zone guest back in the day, Bill Plaschke, used to list. He actually used to call me on my syndicated show when I was working in Chicago. Uh, but the you know, Plaschke uh, is uh, you know, reporting or you know suggesting. Uh, combination thereof that uh, Lincoln Riley should be in the hot seat. I think we're the only two people in the country that actually think that's accurate. Uh, I think it's, it should be accurate. So hopefully that's the case because USC has a head coach that should be an offensive coordinator, which is what I said when he was at OU. And I'm still saying the same thing since he's at USC. USC ended up losing five of its last six games. Last 14 games that USC have played going back to last season, now seven and seven. Uh, Caleb Williams, I cannot imagine he's playing in a bowl game. Uh, so I would assume this was his last game at USC. Uh, then we have here locally, Oregon routed ASU 49 to 13. Bo Nix, 24 of 29, 404 yards, six touchdowns. Ty Thompson came in four of six, 59 yards, one touchdown and one interception. Oregon had as many passing touchdowns in that game on Saturday as ASU has had for the entire season, seven. Chris Cartman of Sun Devil Source also added here that Jaden Rashada, who played in just two games, has the most touchdown passes thrown this season with three in 60 attempts. Trenton Borgay, one touchdown in 248 attempts. And Drew Pine, two touchdowns in 49 attempts. Yes. Uh, and to me, though, this was a lack of effort uh, and a complete lack of wanting to make a tackle. For ASU, they were a no-show for a second time in three weeks. Obviously, they got killed in Utah and gave up 55 points. They gave up 42 points in the first half. Bo Nix in the first half had six touchdown passes and 396 yards in the first half. A large chunk of that was yards after the catch when ASU defenders seemingly had no desire to make a tackle. Uh, well, let's go to the U of A. They routed Utah 42-18. to 18. Noah Faftita, 22 of 30, 253 yards, two touchdowns as a team on the ground, 118 yards rushing. They took advantage of uh, some other special teams opportunities as well. Bryson Barnes for Utah, 31 of 53, 320 yards, two touchdowns, and two picks. He also got sacked seven times. You know, the U of A defense continues to be the biggest reason they win. Uh, you know, Johnny, Han uh, Johnny Nansen, who's being mentioned for the San Diego State job, has uh, is, uh, is done a tremendous job at the U of A recruiting players, not just freshmen, but also uh, the incoming uh, recruits, but also the transfer portal. Uh, there's been a couple of guys that specifically said they're, they went to the U of A because of Nansen. They've been tremendous on defense. So you mentioned the special teams. They had a special teams touchdown, a block punt. Uh, for a touchdown in the second quarter of that actually excuse me the first quarter of that game for the second touchdown of the game for the U of A. 
U of A had a 28-0 lead in this game, 17 seconds into the second quarter. Uh, Jed Fish, by the way, after the game, uh, denied a report that connected him to the Michigan State head coaching job. Uh, then we have Texas. They were able to run out the clock on Iowa State for a 26-16 win. Quinn Ewers was 23 of 33, 281 yards, two touchdowns. And then the question here was how are they going to fill in Jonathan Brooks? It was C.J. Baxter, 20 carries, 117 yards. This was unwatchable football. Um, I know the uh, Ewers had a decent game statistically. He missed a bunch of open receivers also. Yeah, Brooks was injured last week. This week they lost their best wide receiver, Xavier Worthy, who has been a very good player for them for two or three years running. He was injured, did not come back. Also, there's one of their top offensive linemen, DJ Campbell, left with a lower leg injury. We'll see what's going on. You know, they did not blow the biggest uh, big lead this week, even though Iowa State, which is seemingly incapable of scoring touchdowns, did score a long touchdown to you know, put it within a one-score game. But if you're watching this game, I don't think anybody actually thought Iowa State was going to win. Alabama essentially was on a bye with a 66-10 win over Chattanooga, so we can just move on from that. Missouri, Al- however, However, they play Auburn this week, and Auburn somehow lost at home to New Mexico State, which is not a bad team. For New Mexico State standards, they won like seven or eight games. But how can you, if you're Auburn, lose at home and get routed and score just 10 points against New Mexico State? And that's the Alabama, the the Iron Bowl is this weekend. And it's hard to imagine how Auburn's going to score more than 10 points against the Alabama defense. Missouri outlasted Florida 33-31. to Down one, Missouri got into field goal range with a 30-yard field goal. The drive started with 136 left to go on their own 25-yard line. And so a big bowl still is in play here for Mizzou. Fourth and 17, and they don't cover the best receiver maybe in the SEC. Uh, how can that happen? But that's what happened with Florida. Billy Napier clock management issues that you know before that fourth and 17 play when they're on offense with a backup quarterback but what are they doing uh speculation in florida and i know uh kind of listened to a couple of podcasts including uh yeah mandel and feldman uh that uh, napier and the athletic director could both be out of work here soon louisville topped miami 38 31 Louisville had a goal line stand uh, as they were able to hold on fourth and goal. Louisville punches their ticket to the ACC title and in Jeff Brom's first season as Louisville's head coach. Okay, I beg to differ. Well, it wasn't a goal line stand. There was a Hail Mary that was actually caught at the five-yard line uh, because they basically, you know, Miami's quarterback – uh, who I forgot who it was at that point because they used a couple different guys, couldn't get the ball to the end zone. Uh, but uh, I will say one thing about Miami is they have an incredibly good freshman class, and a lot of those guys are playing this season and have made some plays. So hopefully you know they'll be around moving forward. Uh, as far as Louisville Valley product, uh, you know, Jack Plummer, uh, he had a – Misleading 308 yards. Uh, much of that was after the catch against some not good tackling for Miami. Miami and Arizona State apparently went to the same tackling school, uh, lacking desire to make tackles on some plays. And uh, Louisville clinches a berth in the ACC championship game 
with this victory. I will add Jeff Rahm, he's had an amazing first season at Louisville. He's in the ACC championship game. His last year at Purdue last year, he was in the Big Ten championship game. And also Louisville's two best offensive players or weapons, uh, Jahar Jordan and also uh, Tamari Thrash. Uh, Jordan running back and Thrash the wide receiver. They were both limited in this game and played very few snaps because of injury. LSU beat Georgia State 56-14. to Jaden Daniels, uh, he was 25 of 30, 413 yards, six touchdowns, 10 carries, 96 yards, and two touchdowns. And now he currently is the Heisman favorite at minus 125. Bo Nix sitting at plus 150. Michael Penix Jr. sitting at plus 700. Yeah, this was the entire intention of LSU in this game. I didn't watch this game live, but I watched the highlights. And clearly this was just trying to boost uh, what they, this is what they should do unless they, they're, they're not going to go to the SEC championship game. Uh, I, in fact, I don't know if Jaden Daniels is even going to play in a bowl game because he's been mentioned as a late first round, early second round draft pick now. But his six touchdown passes, or six touchdowns, excuse me, four passes and two runs matched Joe Burrow's previous school record. And Clemson topping UNC 31-30. to Drake May here, 16 of 36, 209 yards, one touchdown and one pick. UNC as a team, 32 carries, 248 yards and two touchdowns. Clemson as a team, 55 carries, 247 yards on the ground and three touchdowns. Yeah, that fine North Carolina defense once again. And uh, Mac Brown's coming back. They announced that last late last week. Uh, so I guess that's a good thing for Carolina, but they continue to fade at the end of seasons. And I know you; those are some splashy numbers from Drake May, but he made some losing plays in this game. And he has not had a good college career against the best college defenses that he has faced in Clemson's defense. Their offense has had some issues this year. They've had a lot of turnovers on offense, but their defense, for the most part, has been very good. And uh, Drake May uh, made a couple plays in this game that helped turn the game to Clemson. We talked about how lopsided this rivalry has been, K-State and Kansas. It's another K-State victory, 31-27. to It was Cole Ballard getting the start for Kansas. Uh, the Kansas, though, on the, uh, on the ground, 41 carries, 234 yards, and three touchdowns, but it wasn't enough. Yeah, 15 straight wins now for Kansas State against Kansas. You mentioned uh, yeah, Ballard. Uh, he's the third quarterback. He's a true freshman. He did a, a decent thing. They were in position to win before they had a muff punt return, and uh, they basically dropped. The defense just dropped an easy pick six. Kansas should have won this game. They just gave it away. Uh, and finally, we had just touched on them in Friday's show as they are the only uh, you know group of five that is in the top 25 in the college football playoff. Tulane got the victory over Florida Atlantic 24 to 28. Yeah, well, I didn't watch any of this game. I mean, Tulane's a fraud. You know, last year was a team that I really liked and had them a lot last year, including the bowl game against uh, against USC. They benefited from the watered-down conference after several of the teams in the AEC went to the Big 12. And uh, they play UTSA this upcoming week, and that's going to be their toughest game. But you know, they're, they're not nearly as good as they were a year ago. Not even close.
On the other side of the break, we answer today's poll questions. There's a Monday night football contest that probably is piquing some interest with the Chiefs and the Eagles. We'll answer that question. Plus, in regards to the Arizona Cardinals and uh, what we thought about about them and that particular contest in regards to Kyler Murray receiving the majority of the blame for the loss. We'll get into that next. It is the extra point here on KDOS AM 1060. Tune in weekdays to the Sports Zone with Bob Kim from 9 to 10 a.m. on KTUS AM 1060, KTUS1060.com, and with the KTUS 1060 app. here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. You should download the app today, register, and get yourself eligible for some hardwood tickets. That contest is currently ongoing now. KDOS1060.com, it's the place for today's poll question regarding the Chiefs and the Eagles Super Bowl rematch and two of the best teams in the NFL so far this season. The game is being played in Kansas City. Who do you have, ATS, Chiefs minus 2.5 or Eagles plus 2.5? I'm on the Chiefs, uh, and I, I'm in, I've got a vested interest here because this, the pool that I refer to frequently, uh, which is a college and pro uh, point spread pool, totals and sides, you basically pick 12 games every week. And you know, we've been close to winning this thing a couple times this year. We have a chance tonight. If uh, we have a chance, it depends on. You know, I'm not sure what the other contestants are doing in this game. Uh, but if the Chiefs win, we have a chance, and uh, we're laying two and a half in the pool. And uh, you know, we didn't know we you know, didn't know we were going to have a chance to win it. You know, we do these things on Friday, uh, so. Uh, I'm on the Chiefs tonight. I think the reason is because of their de- the biggest reason is their defense, which has gone from uh, it wasn't bad towards the end of last year. For the season last year, they were 13, uh, 13th in the NFL in points per game allowed. This year, they're first. Uh, after the games of yesterday, they've become now number one in that list. Uh, so I think their defense is uh, much better. You know, they've gotten uh, they lead the league in sacks now. After yesterday, also the fact that their defensive backfield, which was very young last year, but you know, that one of the reasons they progressed last year is those guys got better. They've gotten even better this year. And I think the Chiefs' defense wins this game tonight. If you missed uh, the Matt Derrick interview during the Sports Zone from Chiefs Digest, he was actually uh, sitting in his car in Kansas City. God bless him for doing that. He also has a nice car, I could tell, because you got all those little gadgets and those sounds in the background when you know something's going on in your car. So good for him. Uh, but it was raining at that point, and it's supposed to be drizzle and uh, maybe some wind, which uh, often is the case in Kansas City, one of the underrated wind cities in the country, by the way. Uh, everybody knows about uh, Chicago. I've mentioned Las Vegas and Buffalo. Uh, but there's uh, you know some, some, some harsh winds in Kansas City, so that might be the case tonight too. So I think the Chiefs defense wins this game for them tonight. Both teams are coming off of buys. I think both teams really needed those buys. Um, 
my question here is which defensive line is going to be able to win? Um, and then the other thing here is did that buy really help Jalen Hurts getting a little bit healthier with whatever is going on with the knee? Uh, we just see the, the brace. We don't really know much about what is ailing him. Um, the other question here is were the Chiefs able to use this bye week to find something on offense? This has been uh, an offense unlike anything we've come accustomed to seeing with Patrick Mahomes and, and Andy, Andy Reid, and you would have to think that they're going to figure it out. Just are they able to figure it out against a defensive line such as the Eagles here? Uh, the Chiefs' defense on the flip side of this is playing absolute great football. They are going to have a tough task, though, trying to slow down A.J. Brown, who's been uh, taking a whole new step in his game this year and the connection that they've, they've found with Jalen Hurts. I'm going to actually go here with the Eagles, and it's mainly just because I haven't seen enough yet uh, for from the Chiefs on offense, and maybe that's going to burn me because they will be able to get it figured out, but I'm going to go uh, Eagles on this side of things. I'll just add a couple of quick things. You know, they've dropped more passes. Their wide receivers, almost as many as they did all of last year, they lead the NFL wide receivers in drop passes. So I'd assume that every jugs gun they have in Kansas City was work. They were working on that during the last couple of games, and also the Eagles' pass rush could be uh, hindered tonight because you know Barnett, uh, one of their edge rushers, uh, it was you know, announced yesterday that he's left the team for personal reasons. The masses, though, are on the Chiefs' side of things here at minus 2.5 to the tune of 64% of the vote. The Eagles plus 2.5 at 36%. That is today's KDOS1060.com poll question. In addition to that, kickoff is 6.15 on ESPN. Tossing this on over to Twitter at KDOSAM1060. Should Kyler Murray receive the majority of the blame for the Cardinals' 21-16 loss at Houston? I think it's impossible to argue uh, that he underthrew some footballs. I think it's hard to argue uh, the fourth down pass to McBride was certainly on him in that particular situation. It wasn't a well-thrown ball. Um, I think you also can't argue the fact of what we've seen operation-wise, uh, the delay of games, having to take timeouts, those sorts of things are absolutely going to have to get cleaned up, and that's something in an area of emphasis that you hear time and again from this coaching staff, whether it is Jonathan Gannon talking about the operation or especially Drew Petzing, both when they meet the media's media availability throughout the week. He wasn't good. He, he certainly had opportunities there multiple different times to to execute, make some plays. But I'm actually going to put this one more so on the coaches. Uh, chasing points early, going for two, not getting it, putting yourself in that particular situation, uh, going for it on fourth and three from the Houston 23 instead of taking an opportunity there with Prater to just get points, I think was really crucial for how well the defense was playing and pitching a shutout and getting some turnovers of C.J. Stroud. Um, so I, I, I can't really tell you what the mindset is for, for not getting the uh, points versus if you were to get some points, but I'm actually going to put this one more so in that category. All in all, though, I don't think it was good um, from – from the offensive side of execution and the operational side of things, and then some of the decisions there, just chasing points so early in the game. Yeah, I'll add to your, your viewpoint there a little bit. I think actually the coaching thing to me is on the defensive side. 
Yeah, why do you continue to play man defense? Why do you put Marco Wilson on anybody? Why is Marco Wilson actually playing at this point? How many games does he have to be exploited and targeted by the opposition? And that was clearly the case yesterday. And the you know the Texans didn't even have a full arsenal of wide receivers, and they still were able to exploit him. And uh, so that's the side there. However, I'm on the other side here. I'm adamant that Murray is the biggest reason they lost this game. The biggest reason. The same stuff we've seen for really his career, a large majority of his career, with inaccurate throws. Can't throw the ball across the middle because he's too damn short. And unfortunately, he's not going to get taller at this point. And then also, in addition to that, how many balls do we have to see get batted down at the line of scrimmage because he's not tall? All those things happened yesterday. And uh, he, this was a game that the Cardinals should have won. They clearly had many opportunities to win after the defense in the second half when it seemed like they played more zone, finally. Uh, gave them a chance to win the game. And the quarterback, time and time again, with the game on the line, let them down. The masses are on the no side of things at 70.6% of the vote. Yes, sitting at 29.4%. This is on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. The Cardinals are back home on Sunday hosting the Rams, I believe. Uh, so that is that, correct. Yeah. Small, small underdog. The Rams were very fortunate to win yesterday, and the Rams would not have won yesterday against the Seahawks had Geno Smith not been injured and Drew Locke forced to play a few series. Yeah, there's a there's a bit of a drop off there. Yeah. That would be very true. I'd be like uh, you know like Tom Selleck in his heyday to me as far as being handsome. <laughs> I'm just going to let that comment stand alone and No, just you, you just agree you, every human being in the world should agree with that. I mean, that's an inarguable point. He has <laughs> a great mustache. And he yeah, you know, he was the man back in the day and he's still very good on blue bloods, which is nice. <laughs> we'll wrap it up on the other side of the break. We'll do what's best for the team, and we'll do what's best for you. The Rich Eisen Show, coming to you weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. Monday, November 20th edition of Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Download that app today, register, get yourself eligible for some pretty sweet hardwood tickets, that contest currently ongoing. But it's that time once again, Bob, it is thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever and whatever else slipped through the cracks. Also, our guest today, Matt Derrick from Chiefs Digest. And hopefully Matt is wrong. And Matt has not been afraid to pick against the Chiefs before, and he's picking against them tonight. He is the Chiefs, uh, the, excuse me, the Eagles 27-24. I'm on the other side, so go Chiefs. I'll be doing the tomahawk chop thing or whatever they're doing there, whatever they call that. Uh, I know they call that what is the Braves games, but whatever they're doing there in Kansas City, I'll 
I'll be doing that in my living room here if it's a close game down the stretch to try to get a final stop. Uh, Sound of the day courtesy of CBS, Fox, and also Pac-12 Network. Special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla is going to tell us what's coming up next. Up next, from 1 to 3 p.m., it is the Doug Gottlieb Show, followed by the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5. The Sports with Dave Rooster Beerstein from 5 to 6. Monday Night Golf with Ray Adams from 6 to 7. And James Out West from 7 to 8 tonight. The Phoenix Suns, they needed two overtimes to beat the Utah Jazz yesterday, 140 to 137. Kevin Durant, 39 points, 14 to 27, eight rebounds, 10 assists. And this isn't helping my minutes, 46 minutes for Kevin Durant. Devin Booker, 26 points, 8 of 21, 5 rebounds, 8 assists, and 40 minutes for Book. It was a wild coach's challenge to end the game. KD called for a foul, uh, and after a review, no foul. Suns win. You do have some updated information, though, about the Suns and Bradley Beal. Yeah, Shams from The Athletic, uh, he's reporting in the last few minutes here. In fact, says, you know, two minutes ago, there was like five minutes ago from the two. It's, it wasn't recently. Uh, that he has a disc problem in his back, nerve irritation, and he'll be reevaluated in three weeks. We knew about the three weeks part, but certainly the nerve irritation due to a disc problem is new reporting, and that doesn't seem, uh, that doesn't seem good. Yeah, fortunately, and perhaps surprisingly, I've never really had any back problems. But I know people, a lot of friends, uh, before we all got really old, uh, that have had back problems. And, uh, in fact, Bill Lewis, who used to work here uh, at KDUS, and when I first got here, obviously former NFL player, he had lots of back problems from his NFL career and would, uh, like, lay on the floor between segments when him and uh, Mike Jarecki were doing the show. Almost, you know, first like the first couple of days I was uh, at the station in uh, 2002, almost um, stepped on him. And uh, if that would have happened, he would have killed me because he was an NFL offensive lineman. And if he wanted to kill me, he could have done it in a matter of seconds. Uh, but, you know, I think we all have known people probably that have had some back issues. And, you know, as opposed to other injuries where you can, I think, get a better um, assessment or you know, you know, surgery or whatever you need. People with back problems, it doesn't seem like it's going away anytime soon. No, and anything when you start delving into the nerves, it's very tenuous about how yeah. it responds and yeah. what sort of treatments are available, et cetera. Uh, so hoping for the best for Bradley Beal in that regard. Uh, some other bits of information here. The Phillies agreed to a seven-year, $172 million deal with Aaron Nola. Last year for the Phillies, 12-9 record, 4.46 ERA, 202 strikeouts and 45 walks. He's pitched his entire big league career in Philadelphia, but I was pretty stunned to see the seven-year number when that came across uh, over the weekend. Well, and also on Friday afternoon, the Braves traded away 40% of their projected starting rotation for next season. And it was assumed and reported by at least ESPN that that was because NOLA was likely headed to the Braves. So I'm not sure if Team NOLA used that, uh, you know, that information. Maybe for all I know, there's been agents that have leaked stories like that to benefit their clients. Now, like I said, I have no idea if that happened, but I'm just – I'm. It, First thing I thought of uh, when he ended up signing the contract yesterday with Philadelphia because they literally have been negotiating at some strategical point since spring training last year 
and then they cut it off and then he got what he wanted and seven years for a pitcher is something that I would probably never do for any pitcher uh, but they did what they did and now uh, they've got Trey Trey Turner Bryce Harper and Aaron Nola on the books for you know millions of dollars for many years a bit of golf news here. Tiger Woods announced that he's going to play in his Hero World Challenge. It's set for November 30th through the December 3rd. It's his first event sent withdrawing from the Masters back in April, and he has since had ankle surgery on. Oof. Yeah, so uh, that'll be his return to competition. It's not necessarily silly season. Speaking but- of back problems, right, with him in his career, too. So, you know, eef, too bad. Back, ankle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. knee. Yeah, yeah it's been a lot. Thing. Yes. I mean, he's had a lot. Not all golf related. Uh, and then the other bit of golf news here, Paul, Z- Paul Azinger is out as the NBC analyst for their golf coverage. Not yet sure who is set to replace him alongside of Dan Hicks. And then, of course. Kayla, you should apply. Okay, there we go. Yeah, the okay, first, I'll recommend you. Thank you. I think the first uh, first coverage for NBC is actually at the Waste Management Phoenix Open in February. Dan Hicks used to work in Tucson. I know somebody that worked with him in Tucson, so I'll put in a good word for you. All right, very good. Uh, the Eagles yeah. and the Chiefs, that's tonight, 6.15 p.m. on ESPN. So hopefully week 11 in the NFL rounds out on a, a great game. Yeah. We're pulling for that. Hopefully the weather doesn't play a huge role here. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we need a great game because <laughs> there have been very few of them in the NFL this year, quite frankly. The Sports Zone with Bob Kemp is with you tomorrow at 10 a.m. He'll talk to you then.